Welcome back to Reading Between Florida's Lines. It's been a little while. Been a minute, guys, since we've, since we've done one of these, and it's good to be back. Session is now over. Last one we did was session was kicking off, and now session's over, and I don't know. Not a whole lot's happened, right? <laughs> Nothing's happened. I mean, it's just been quiet couple months. Uh, we've just been going on here, doing our business. No, I joke, obviously. So, um, Henry, kick us off here. What, what's kind of, you know, we've come through session. What, I guess the type, let's go through our hot list. What's kind of burning right now that, you know, obviously we've been com- conversing and chatting yeah. and texting, but let, well, let's kick it off. You know, I think I think it all comes full circle from, uh, we, we had a, a podcast the day after the election cycle yep. in November of 2022, and you know, we, we, we started that podcast by saying the election was a tale of two Florida men. Mm-hmm. Yep. And nine, ten months later, the legislative session and the current state of politics, at least on the Republican side, is a tale of two Florida men. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting now that, that uh, DeSantis is officially in the reactions and, and what's going on in the world. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a robust conversation today. Yeah. Adam, so what's your, what's your kind of first take of where, where we find ourselves today? Well, um, <laughs> we're, we're in interesting times. We have, um, we have governor that's running for president of the United States. We have a former president that is a citizen of the state of Florida, just to make that clear from some other things that he may have said. And we've had a session that was pretty much ruled with the, with the thought of that this governor was going to be running for president. And in the news, we're starting to see little things trickle out that hit on and are becoming big stories that are hitting on some of the things that were actually addressed by the legislature this session and a lot of it was at the behest of the governor so um, he's kind of done a very great job of positioning himself um, he has the receipts that he was you know on it this was something he was worried about I'll speak specifically right now you have Chick-fil-A in the news with their um, DEI and, and some of the things that they're doing at the corporate level. And, you know, the governor addressed issues like that throughout session. And, um, you know, this is absolutely going to become kind of a cultural topics are going to be the largest factor driving this election, it really feels like. I mean, the economy is massive in there, but it seems like it's going to be overshadowed by the cultural war stuff with everything going on in this country. So um, we're in a very interesting time and a very interesting position, and we're living in a state that's going to be in the forefront of all of this. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's going to be very interesting. Well, I think the you know you've heard this and you've this statement before, and uh, you know everybody that's listening, and we appreciate you joining us here. Um, but if you're, we've heard it, make make America Florida. You're going to hear that a lot 
And, and I mean, that's that's going to come from the governor, obviously. Uh, I find what's interesting is one. Let's let's touch on polls, and we've talked about this. And let's talk, all the polls have Trump up by a huge margin, but all of those were before before DeSantis actually declared. And also, Trump was basking in the glory of throwing jabs at DeSantis, and DeSantis basically just being, in a lot of ways, being a punching bag, just taking it. You know, the old proverbial biblical principle of turn the other cheek. Um, it seemed like DeSantis was doing that. He was just taking it. Now that he's declared, DeSantis is coming out, and he's starting to throw punches back. And he not only is he... Yeah. time knowing what the attacks were going well, exactly, to be. Exactly. It was brilliant, and it was right. very poor strategy well, on Trump's team to put this... To put everything that they essentially, you know, showed their hand and gave well, him three months to decide what to do against it. It's just well, Ray, um, you use the biblical example of turn the other cheek. I use the Florida Gator example, and by that I mean the alligators, not the university thereof. <laughs> go Gators! Uh, but if you've ever been to Gatorland in Orlando, and uh, you know, you you go there and. People like to throw peanuts and popcorn at the alligators. And you know, they don't do anything except write your name down. That's right. <laughs> and, and they, I'm gonna remember you, buddy. And I think, um, you know, uh, for those of us from Northwest Florida, DeSantis played possum, uh, played a little quiet game alligator. But as Adam said, they fired every bullet they had and gave Team DeSantis months to prepare, um, you know, this. And, and Adam, I want to go back to something you said, though, about the culture wars, because I think this is extremely important to understand. Um, you know, people talk about the culture wars, but when it's when it is part of the culture that you can't get a loan or do business with a bank because you're a gun store. Is that a culture war? Or is that is that a real economic war? And you know, one of the things we saw was very specific legislation. Um, you mentioned the, the DEI, which I love what Governor DeSantis said, the discrimination, exclusion, and- um, uh, Intolerance. Intolerance. Intolerance, yep. Um, and the ESG, and you know, so so we talked about this, and it's it stands for economic, social, and governance, and how a company is performing on on these metrics. And it's not inherently a bad thing to want to be good for the environment. It's not a bad thing to to want to have uh, a socially diverse uh, leadership or, or organization. And it's certainly not a bad thing to have good governance in a corporation. Those are mm -hmm. the question becomes how are they defined? Right. And what you are seeing is the Black Rocks of the world, uh, Vanguard, State Street, the largest hedge funds in the world, are owners own significant voting blocks of companies, and they are requiring these companies to have a scorecard that has very little to do with economic or shareholder value and very much well is your board racially diverse because for the diversity for the sake of diversity 
And I think we would all agree, you know, hey, give me the most talented person um, that, that we can have. And I don't, I don't care what they look like. Yeah. Um, and so one of the bills that was passed was um, in the Florida legislature was restricting um, the use of DEI at the universities or eliminated it and also ESG, and then I'll, I'll wrap up with this comment, is to me, the difference between a Trump and a DeSantis is, where DeSantis has been brilliant is, these are legislative wins that are laws. Yeah. Trump thrived with executive orders and that, and the problem with an executive order is the next executive in decides they, we don't like your executive order, so I'm gonna do my own executive order. And we have got to return to the Congress and the, in DC and the legislature, which we did, yeah. as the rule of law. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's past statute and past laws, not executive orders, because executive orders are just pieces of paper. They're not bound. And most of them are gonna get challenged in court, and so, I think Henry, you had said this earlier when we were talking, is do you want the courts to decide what we have to follow or would you rather the legislature legislate? Which is the, by the way, legislators legislating was how our founding fathers intended it to be, not the court dictating yeah. laws from the bench. And, and, and I I'll think say this and then turn it back over to, to Adam, but so one of my favorite pieces of legislation, the Patriot Act, uh, passed after 9-11. Um, what's interesting about the Patriot Act is, so so this is kind of a, a subtlety, but when people scream something is unconstitutional, if a legislature or Congress passes it and it is signed by the executive, it's legal right. until the judge says it is not legal. And the U.S., every time they are challenged by somebody withstanding on the Patriot Act, they settle out of court because they do not want the Patriot Act to get in front of a judge mm -hmm. because a judge would strike it down. And so the Patriot Act is, and people can, can write me all they want, but the Patriot Act is legal because a judge in our system has not said it is not. And so that is the point is when you take an executive order to a judge, um, good luck. Yeah, now we're, now we're challenging whether it's, once it gets to the judge, now you're challenging the constitutionality, not yeah. the legality. If it's passed, it's legal. Right. But there's so many things in the, in the especially when you take the Patriot Act just on, as your example, there's so many things in that that violate due process, which is a clear part of the Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's very little ambiguity on those amendments to the Constitution on due process. That's I mean any any first year law student can explain that one to you. Um, well, Adam, you said this offline. Speaking of the Constitution, um, suddenly we're talking about the Fourteenth Amendment. <laughs> We are. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, the former president is making comments about what he would do with executive orders regarding that and regarding immigrants and babies being born on U.S. soil. And um, while the 
rah, 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 sounds great. And yes, it probably wasn't, there's a possibility it wasn't the intention because of why the 14th Amendment was written and it was written post the Civil War and it had yeah. to do with, with freed slaves having citizenship. Yep. And it, while we say all of that, to get a judge to interpret the way that is written to exclude others is going to be it's a it's a dangerous path and you don't know that you necessarily want to put that in front of a judge and get what what the actual response is it might be more harmful than letting it be i mean the same thing goes i mean a very recent example of what happens when something gets to the courts how it can um blow up your cause was Mississippi and it was the, I forget the name of the case, but what opened up the Roe versus Wade. Dobbs. And, and that, the Dobbs. Dobbs I mean, case. That was the whole thing was, I guarantee you right now that every support, you know, every pro-choice supporter on earth wishes that they would have never let that case go forward and push that because, you know, while they thought it was good and they were, you know, going the way they wanted with it it ended up being extremely detrimental to their cause. Well, and, and the, you go back to the executive order threat that the, that the former president has made on that, on the 14th Amendment and so on. But it gets back to Henry, what you're saying is Trump's threatening executive order. And when he was in office, he was never able to get, even in the first couple of years when he had a majority, he could not get immigration bills passed. Everything that he did was executive order. Interesting enough, just as a flip side of that, here in Florida, this past legislative session, like it or not, like the provisions or not, DeSantis got the legislature to pass an immigration bill. It is now law in the state of Florida. You might not like the provisions of it. There's some things that you know you could we could argue about if you want. I'm not don't want to really get into too much of the minutiae of it, but it gets to the point that we've made the whole time here, and that is, DeSantis has gotten things passed, where Trump's not necessarily most of his considered successes were all policy by fiat and pushing through different ways, not through legislation. Yeah, the uh, the immigration bill that, that you reference is, is interesting. And, you know, now we are seeing where businesses are having one-day strikes, which right. I don't know that if I owned a restaurant, I would close for a day in the middle of the week, you know, to protest. But you do you. Um, but we are seeing that people are reporting that illegal, the keyword illegal immigrants are leaving Florida. Um, and and the, the, the uh, of course, uh, our favorite congressman out of Miami, Debbie Washerman Schultz, um, immediately reminded us that Democrats only think immigrants are good for, uh, uh, you know, uh, farming and agriculture by saying, now we're not going to have anyone to go pick our crops, um, which again tells you their actual view of illegal immigrants is is um you know farmers and, and housekeepers but the thing is who is harmed in a law of supply and demand workers wages are are 
suppressed when there's an available population. And I think what you're going to see in Florida is a rapid move towards innovation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of things with 3D printing, AI, that are prohibitively expensive right now. But when you either have to pay your, your payroll significantly more, suddenly the cost of automated equipment can drop. And it exists now that you can 3D print a house. Um, mm -hmm. It's expensive, but economies of scale kick in. And so it's going to be very interesting to me to see how Florida businesses respond to increased labor costs and how many robots or processes and automation are put in as a consequence of uh, illegal immigrants leaving. Yeah, it, it's, I think we're, we're, I mean, our unemployment rate here in the state of Florida is two point something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's. Which is, which I taught economics in, when I was teaching high school, um, under 3% is basically considered full employment. Right. Okay, so just basic Econ 101, we're in full employment. So then what do you do when you get to that point? Well, you have to come up with new ideas because the, the people aren't there. If we got immigration, that's one way, you know, but you're going to find ways to do the job. This is where you innovate, uh -huh. and this is where things become. And also, it how do we do it better? You, when you when people are, it's it's the American way. When you're faced with a problem, find a solution. Yeah, that's always. I mean, that's the hallmark of what has made our country what it is. Okay. When you're faced so with you a problem, sub, you find a solution. Yeah, you create sub companies and don't have more than twenty four employees. <laughs> Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> or you continue, continue to pay under the table, as always. Anyways. Well, there are, there are well, well, yeah, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> but I, I think it's going to be interesting to see over the next, because you've got Trump attacking, and this one got me all baffled, and we've talked about this what, uh, offline here, and... You've got Trump attacking DeSantis on his response to COVID. And and for those of us listening and not watching this podcast, we're all shaking our heads and rolling our eyes. And if you're listening and you're outside of the state of Florida, that's probably why you know who Ron DeSantis is. It's probably based off of COVID. Oh, 100%. response to COVID, it's... it's one of seems to be a litany of just absolutely horrible decisions on what to attack Ron DeSantis on is what it is. Well, first, I hope that attack continues um, because it's one of the dumber political strategies I've seen. Yeah. But secondly, you know, for those of us that live in Florida, I think, you know, what was interesting to me was when DeSantis announced his social media team started dropping videos uh, you know, because I even asked you guys, I said, were you aware Trump gave Dr. Fauci an award on his last day in yeah. office? Because um, we were so wrapped around the axle about the uh, January 6th riot. Um, there was a whole lot of things we missed. Yep. Um, 
And, you know, one, one of the things about COVID, though, was I, I've heard, you know, the, the attack, oh, DeSantis isn't ready for the national stage. Does everybody remember when he reopened Florida, the national, he was the lead story on every major channel, nonstop, because he was the guy that said, we're not playing along with the narrative. And he used the National Institute's own research yeah. as his justification. And the national media went after him hammers and tongs. So the, the argument that he's not ready for prime time just to me does not hold water. It never it doesn't and, and no, it doesn't. And just to kind of coin from something from a little bit of history, remember after nine eleven, Rudy Giuliani was the mayor of New York and everybody said he was America's mayor because of how he responded to the attacks on the Twin Tower and all that. Okay, we remember that. We're all old enough to remember that. Um, and after COVID, when, De when DeSantis starts standing up and saying, we're going to do this and here's why we're doing this, and like you said, using the Institute of Health's own data to refute what Washington was telling them, telling everybody to do, and what was he starting to be called? America's governor. Yeah. That was a phrase you heard. He's, a, he's becoming America's governor because he's taking the lead on reopening and getting things back to normal and fighting. And it, okay, not ready for prime time? Yeah. <laughs> I just... It, it. I don't understand that argument, having been a congressman and then being the governor of the state yeah. of Florida. I mean, it's just, who, who's who's ready then? What is that? I think that's more of a comment of people that are not ready for him to be their president. Well, he's, there, he's a threat. And well, exactly. we've seen this whole time, as we've seen, you know, like Trump, like you talked about earlier, Trump loves to point out how he's ahead in the polls. Why has he bashed so hard? Why did they throw everything they could, him and the media, to try to, to stop mm -hmm. DeSantis from getting in. Why are they still pounding? Why do other people get in the race and Trump praises them? Well, he's praising them because he probably told them to get in because that's probably part of the price of admittance to get in his administration as he needs a crowded field. But yes, he does. It's, it, it, no matter what a poll shows you, actions show you more and the fear that there is, you don't... It, it, I mean, it's beyond stupid. If you have an opponent that you're going to beat, you don't recognize their name. You don't do anything to even give them the credibility of getting known. And yet, now you, you have somebody you're just the only person on your mind 24-7. That means that they're a massive threat. And then, you know, suddenly now Trump, if you've noticed in the past week or so, has started calling him Rob because maybe he caught on to that and now he's trying to. But it's, it's just, it's more telling to watch that when you watch those type of things that's where you see what's really doing. so here, here to, to your point Adam and, and here here's something that we've all we've all worked campaigns we've all been involved in campaigns if you're a candidate and you're facing an opponent that is more than 20 points or 30 points behind you and you're the de facto incumbent especially because let's let's be honest Trump is for the primary the de facto incumbent if you're the incumbent and you're facing somebody that's not even in the same, you know, not even anywhere close, 
You ignore them. You ignore them. But DeSantis is living rent-free in Trump's brain. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 and, and that's it's that's reverse it. TDS. Yeah. And you know, to 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 to, I mean, Ray, to your point, um, we've all you know, some of us run for office unsuccessfully, but we've all worked on campaigns, and what do we always say? Never ever say your opponent's name. The word yep. is. My opponent said, <laughs> you don't even say Ray said, you, yep. my opponent, you don't even, even when you have to acknowledge them, you don't use their name. And this is where I think Trump, you know, from 2016 used insults to great effect. The candidates then had no idea how to respond. The difference with DeSantis is A, he knows how to respond, B, he has a record to respond on, and C, he has a wide base online in social media from his performance during COVID. Yeah. And um, so, so we, we, Trump is using the last war's tactics. Um, you know, we, we used World War II tactics in Vietnam and we kind of can all predict how that turned out. Yeah. Well, well and, and like you said, he, I mean, last go round, yeah, he hit them and he labeled them and it was great. It was effective because nobody hit back. Right. And I keep yep. hearing, I keep hearing some people, uh, strong fervent supporters, talking about how well Trump's the only one that's a fighter and is not. And it's just like you know, you hadn't been in Florida. Yeah. To to think that DeSantis isn't a fighter is just but, you know asinine to people who who've been around this. I, I mean, he's going to get punched back and he's going to get punched back a lot. I, yeah, I do want to go back to the polls, though, because I, I want to bring a point out. But I, I do want to say something, because we're all going to be labeled rhinos now. Because apparently a rhino is anyone that isn't fervently supporting Trump. Um, and, and, you know, here's my position. You know, it's 60 plus years of being a Republican. Yeah. Okay. You know, but yeah. my, my thing is this is. I can, was, was he treated terribly, the Russia hoax and all that when he's president? Absolutely. Yeah. Hated it every day. Um, you know, and so I can appreciate and I, re, I liked, you know, he, he, he gave the Republicans a backbone that was really needed to fight. Absolutely. Did he absolutely yep. put Ron on the map? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yep. I was sitting... I was sitting next to Ron DeSantis, six inches away, his first debate with Adam Putnam, and if and that was I think May of his election year. And if you had uh, asked me for a bet then, I'd have put all my money on Adam Putnam. Yep. So there's many things that, that I applaud Trump for, but that doesn't mean I'm going to vote for him. And yeah. you know it is time to move forward. But on the polls, Ray. You know, we've talked about polls before, and one of the dangerous things is all the media reports is, and we know the term, the top line. And if you don't get to see the cross tabs, if you yep. don't get to look under, you know, how did they arrive at these things and see the statistical methodology and understand some of the questions, because here's what I've been uh, with some of the polling data that I've seen when you dig a little into the cross tabs. Is Trump at 45 to 50%? Yeah, yeah, I accept that. 
But when you go down a couple layers, what you find out is half of his support, 25%, is unbreakable. Right. No outside candidate is going to do that. Only Trump, by attacking Kaylee McEnany, can reduce that number. But of that other 25%, they have said they would like a better candidate. Yep. So they're not going to change to Ron DeSantis on blind faith. If Ron shows that he is a better candidate, well, there's a huge chunk of the population in the Republican circles that will go with them. 50% of the available Republican voters will not vote for Trump yep. and are up for grabs. So if you look at it differently, you can make the argument that right now 75% of the Republican voter base, and frankly, this is hard to say because we're Florida guys, this shows about Florida, only three states matter now. New Hampshire, Iowa, right. and South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yep. What people think of Disney in Florida is politically unimportant now. What does matter is Disney is very unpopular in those three battleground or not battleground, the, the early primary states. The early primary states, yep. Well, and, and Trump has always used belittle, demean, insult to drive his opponents out because nobody punched back. And we've commented on this. If you watch any of the Twitter and all this, everything, what's happening when DeSantis is fighting back? They don't know how to handle it. Trump supporters have no clue. They're like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa. Somebody's actually fighting back. And that's what that's what people are waiting for. The other thing I would say about the, to just piggyback on what you said about the polls, Henry, and looking at the cross tabs and then looking how the polls are used. What's the one thing that concerns me about how polls are used at this point in the stage is they're often used to sway opinion, not gauge opinion. And they're often used to sway opinion on who the reporters want. You can't tell me Biden wants DeSantis. No, Biden wants Trump because we've said this before. We said this in that first that first podcast after the November election when we said the tale of two Florida men. What did we say? Trump inspires Democrats to get out and vote more than he inspires Republicans to get out and vote. They want that. Yeah. Republicans 100%. on the other hand that's not the case. So that's why I, I don't trust the polls because I don't trust uh, what they're being used to try to get us to believe. Adam, go ahead. You were you I, I wanted to in. go back to Henry's point though about the, the going through all this, the first three states, and then also talking about how strong, you know, how the block that Trump has and the rest are looking for something. That's where if you see in these first three states they're so so critical for how this is going to turn out if DeSantis let's say it's within a point let's say he doesn't win Iowa but it's within a point and he wins New Hampshire wins South Carolina or even close there all those people on the other one are finally seeing somebody who can win and you're going to see 
all, all the three percents, two percents for every other name that's going to be in there. Lord knows how many people are going to be in this by the time we get to it. Their people are going to flee because it's they they're going to finally see somebody who can stand up to and who can beat Trump, and you're going to see just a mass exodus, and that's where everything's going to turn. And I would argue Iowa. Trump wasn't planning on being there this week, and then he scheduled a trip because DeSantis is there. And DeSantis had an event with the governor of Iowa, and and he's now the special guest of the most popular senator in Iowa, in Joni Ernst. Yep. Okay. If that shouldn't, I would. If I'm Trump, I'm worried about Iowa. I'm very worried about about him because as soon as they see that he's that there's the the other person from Trump and the other person from Trump is actually toe to toe with them, they're gonna they're gonna flock. And and here's where Trump the salesman has painted himself into a corner. You know these huge rallies and big numbers. I still stand by the the rally that got canceled was. Yeah, blame the weather, but it was a reaction to the crowd wasn't building, and oh, yeah. Trump and DeSantis was, was having a field day. So I'm curious to see what happens. Will the crowds materialize? And, you know, what does that mean? But I do want to say one last thing about polls, Ray, because you, you reminded me of something. So there was an ABC poll recently, a couple weeks ago, before DeSantis got in that Trump was killing DeSantis and Trump would beat Biden and everybody went crazy. And I thought to myself, um, who owns ABC News? Not Disney. The Disney Corporation. And who are they at war with? Yep. And you cannot tell me ABC is a disinterested uh, party in the, the information they are presenting. Yeah. No. No, and, and and that's why you always have to take any of that reporting, any of the yeah. polls. You like I said just a minute ago, you've got to take it with a grain of salt, and you got to go, okay, where, where's it coming from, and who are they polling? And you say, well, we're polling, you know, X number of Republicans, X number of independent, but where are they being polled? Yes, because there is a difference between a Republican in New York and a Republican in Florida. Well, why why would you assume that they're giving correct answers? I mean. Well, and that's the other thing. Yes. Previously, yes. previously yes. most people, we know it's not the case. When they tell you that it's an anonymous poll, it's not. That, that's no. locked on to your house. They can use that for other things. They know what you've responded. So anybody that believes that, oh, it's anonymous, it's not. And and on the Republican side, a lot of people already feel that way. So there was a lot of people previously that did not want to say, oh, I support Trump. Because they just did not feel like getting, you know, whatever wrath that came from the idiot who was calling them. They didn't know what it was, and they didn't want to do that. Well, now people are a little bit more emboldened because of how much they hate what's going on in the White House. And even if you're supporting DeSantis or Scott or anybody else, how much fun is it just to say say Trump, just get under the skin of whoever it is, because he still is the one that... that, Now, let, let me say that, though. DeSantis is really getting under their skin, and his isn't just from mean tweets. It's from more of you know legislation that's passed and things like that. I mean, they I think there's actually more more real deep seated hate against him for some of the stuff that's well, happened. 
but yeah. it is fun yeah. because it's changed. So it's, it's gone from, oh, God, I just I can't put up with this. I almost have a fear of answering it and doing it to, oh, God, you're going to waste my oh. time. Boy, am I going to have fun with you. So. Yeah, well, exactly. No, and there's a lot of that. And we're going to have to wrap up. Go ahead, Henry, wrap us up. All right. I want to close this. I've, I've heard uh, Trump people leveling the traitor charge on DeSantis, that he's a traitor. Yeah. And I think it's worth remembering, DeSantis supported Trump in 2020. Yep. And Trump won Florida. And DeSantis supported him. Any debt that was owed has been repaid. And, you know, back back when I used to be in shape and played basketball, you know, uh, after school and in college, uh, we had a rule, if you won, you kept the court. Yep. And if you lost, your team got off the court and the next team came on and took a shot at the winner. The court's empty. Trump lost. Yes. The yep. court's empty. Well, Republicans also, deserve a hard-fought primary. Well, yeah. and but he also, you know, the DeSantis supported Trump in sixteen. He was yeah. one of the first to support Trump. I mean, I think, and then you look at what happened in twenty-two with the calling him names and then oh yeah, at the yeah. Last yeah. Second, yeah. And endorsing him just because you had to get some kind of win. Because your candidates that you pushed through were, you know, had no shots of winning throughout the country. So. Yeah, no, and it, it's going to be interesting to see. And we're kind of wrapping up our time here on this episode of Reading Between Florida's Lines. I think um, we're going to have to come back and look at some of the policy stuff that was passed. We kind of spent a lot of time talking elections yeah. this time. There was a lot of stuff that passed in the legislative session. The governor has not signed it all yet. The budget has not been signed yet. So we're kind of cooling our jets, so to speak, on waiting for all that stuff to happen. Uh, So once that happens, we'll we'll jump into that. But it's Henry Kelly, Adam Potts, Ray Walker here, reading between Florida's lines. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.